So our good friend Alex, not joining us today, Corey, because apparently having a baby keeps you from doing a podcast with your two Listen, best friends. I Truly, what is more important at the end of the day, Big Ten football or your own flesh and blood? And I think this answer is pretty easy to say, and it's Big Ten football. I mean, it just feels like, honestly, it feels like a lack of mm-hmm. dedication, first and foremost. And it feels like we just, we play right. second fiddle, right? Like, oh, you have a kid, all of a sudden, we play second it's fiddle. Like, and it's just like... It's like, you know, you think you know somebody. and You, you think you know a guy. That You know what? That's a great way to put it. All jokes aside... <laughs> uh. It is just going to be me, Ethan, and yes. Corey here to, with you today, bringing you all of the Big Ten that you could possibly desire. We have got a loaded show for you today. And Corey, say something nice. Yes, to folks, uh, folks um, if you love Big Ten football more than your loved ones at home, you have come to the right place because... This is all that you need for your Big Ten football needs. You have love, you have affection, you have heartbreak, and you also have teams not covering the spread all of the time. And you have Brian Ferentz's total point numbers going up. And just like that, skyrocketing. Skyrocketing. Just like the point totals for Iowa's offense, so does our love and affection for you, the fans. So thank you so much for listening and giving us a purpose to record every single week to talk about some ridiculously stupid but entertaining college football in the Big Ten. Welcome to Big Banter. It's so sad because it does really feel like my deepest fears have kind of been realized in the fact that the Big Ten West might just be bad again. And and, and that's not to say that's not to say that Iowa didn't perform this week because they absolutely did. So kudos to Iowa, but we're going to get into it later in this episode. Wisconsin, uh, they have no identity. Wisconsin has zero identity as a football program right now. And that is a big, big problem, but that's not where we're kicking off this show. We're kicking off this show with the best of the rest. And that is Corey, I'm going to ask you to go on this one. The Rutgers, the Rutgers football. I'm telling you, everybody, yeah, if you did not just want to go to your nearest deli over the weekend watching Rutgers football and getting the sloppiest, most disgusting meatball marinara sub after watching that absolute beatdown, Check your pulse, all right? And check your arteries, too, because there's something wrong there. But in the first installment of our best of the rest, guys, Rutgers football continues with the trend of just absolutely annihilating the state of Virginia and West Virginia. The Virginias. We'll, we'll collectively throw those two together. But Rutgers won this game this week against... Uh, Virginia Tech, 35 to 16. And you might be thinking to yourself, oh, wow, that's pretty impressive, you know, Corey. You know, what, 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 what else do we need to know about that? Uh, yes, they did that while only having 
46 passing yards. You heard me correctly. 46. Are you listening to me right now? 46 passing yards. I I just, whenever you think about like, okay, you won it the Big Ten way, right? Like you won a non-conference game the Big Ten way. Is that not the most Big Ten way you could possibly win a football game against a non-conference Listen, opponent? every Big Ten football fan that is over the age of 55 was like, oh my gosh, this is when football was for men. This is when football wasn't for sissies and we're in real football. The forward pass. Who needs Who the needs forward, the forward pass? pass and we can just hand it off to our stud running back and he'll just jam it down their throat. That's exactly what this was. So Rutgers football, congratulations. You finally entered the Big Ten conference, but just like 50 years too late. Uh, Kyle Monagai, like in all seriousness, was the story of this game. 16 carries, 143 yards. He almost averaged a first down every time he touched the ball. Long, longest carry of 55 yards, and oh yeah, three, three rushing touchdowns. So if truly, if you take away everything else, Kyle Monagai beat Virginia Tech this weekend. Cleared him by five points. All right. All right, so that's enough about the Rutgers Scarlet Knights until we get into the picks in our next episode. But hey, kudos to them. And, and did anyone really think that they would be 3-0? and Not me. I mean, I think I did pick their over in the over-under episode for wins, and I think I said it's because they play Northwestern. <laughs> but uh, they're they're almost to their over already. So Rutgers could be, be heading back to a bowl game. We're about to get into Big Ten play, so that's still going to be a tall ask. But Rutgers so far has looked great. All right, my game for best of the rest. I, I man, oh man, Maryland. It, things were looking sketchy early in this game. They got behind 14 nothing to Virginia, and you started to think, oh, no, like this could be really, really bad. Well, then they just went out there, um, and they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to score three unanswered touchdowns or four. No, 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 no. We're going to score six unanswered touchdowns to end this game. I mean, it was just... It ended up being an absolute rout in the second half. I, I, I mean, you look at what they were able to do offensively. Tungvaloa absolutely picked it up and was playing out of his mind in this game. They had he he only threw he only threw the ball thirty times, so they had a good mix of the run and pass game in this game. And then you had uh, I, I believe his name is Jashan. I think it's Jashan is how it's pronounced. Jashan Jones. He had a, an awesome game. He had five receptions on eight targets for 96 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 19.2 yards per reception. Is, is that good? Is that what you want when you play football? I think it's decent. I think it's considered decent. So just uh, honestly, a really proficient game by Maryland. After going down two scores, they showed you the grit. They showed you the tenacity that you want to see from this Maryland team. And honestly, if they can keep playing the way that they played the back half of that game, they are going to give a team on their schedule a real, real problem. They played Michigan really tight 
at, you know, it was in Maryland last year. They played a really close game down to the wire against Michigan. I look for them this year to possibly win one of those games because I think Maryland is starting to lean towards taking, especially defensively, the way that they put the clamps down on Virginia in the back half of that football game. Really impressed by what the Terps were able to do in this game. Fun fact, uh, Maryland plays Michigan sandwiched in between Penn State and Ohio State. So if you want to talk about trap game, that is your classic trap game. This team has some talent that can, you know, kick you in the pants. And uh, sometimes that hurts. Speaking of trap games, I don't think many people thought, you know what, I'm looking at Michigan's schedule. Bowling Green, that's going to be a trap game for Michigan. Well, it wasn't much of a trap game. It was more of a trap performance because Michigan's performance was, uh, to say it was bad, is putting it lightly. J.J. McCarthy throws three picks. Two of them were completely inexcusable. I was at this game. I got to witness it firsthand. He threw two of them right at my face, and I was like, uh, where is that football going? So really, really just bad overall performance by the offense in this game. Early on, it looked like they were going to get the run game going, you know, real easily. But then once they started to try and mix in the pass, it just did not mesh. I am going to give J.J. McCarthy the benefit of the doubt that this was just a down game because of how well he has performed in the first two games. But with Rutgers coming up in the way that they have been able to perform in their first three games, it's going to be more of a test for J.J., and he's really got to pick it up. I'm not going to dwell on this one too long. Obviously, it's Bowling Green. You know, it, it's not. It's more so what we saw out of Michigan. What are your thoughts as far as, like, how they performed? You know, and they're supposed to be the number two team in the country right now, and possibly, in a lot of people's eyes, number one, because Georgia doesn't return a starting quarterback and had so many players go to the draft. Where are you at with Michigan right now as a whole? Not necessarily diagnosing this specific game, Corey, but overall, where are you with Michigan right um, now? If, if we're trying to stay away from the synopsis of the game, which is kind of hard to do because it, it, I think everybody was looking at this game and specifically the spread as well and saying, okay, this is the last of the non-conference. Just go in there, take care of business. And technically speaking, they did take care of business. They won by multiple touchdowns. But how they got there and how the work was done wasn't exactly Michigan-esque. McCarthy didn't have a great game. I see that. You know, uh, the defense or special teams was really poor as well. Excuse me. A couple of fumbles off of kickoffs, one that they recovered and one they did not. Um, And it just wasn't very fluid. And I think this is the first game that you've seen uh, where Jim Harbaugh's presence really did hurt the Wolverines. And I think that's a consensus. Anybody who watched this game, you know, some discipline was lacking um, and, you know, everything else. Um, but I will say, if you're going to take away any positives, I think increasingly Blake Corum has looked much better each game. His runs have looked great. His, you know, his cuts have looked great. And I'm encouraged by that. And let's just get Harbaugh back and let's get these boys back on track. Yeah, and I do think that Donovan Edwards also showed you some flashes in this game as well. There were some plays that he made, especially watching it live, where I really thought that's the Donovan Edwards that I know. Like that's, you know, he's a playmaker. He can get out there in space. He can really move. Um, 
the connection, obviously, like you said, it, it just wasn't there with JJ. And, and and I don't know, you know, you got to, you got to attribute it to that's just an off game. And listen, Big Ten schedule starts now. So that's got to get turned around. All right, let's move on. Let's go ahead and dive into this game because we had a Big Ten matchup in Penn State in Illinois. Now, this was supposed to be a closer game than it was. And I I, I kind of predicted the way that this game was going to happen. I thought that it would be, you know, kind of appear closer than it really was type of deal. I, I mean, Penn State was in control of this game from beginning to end. Things really slowed down in the second half. Uh, I, I mean, it, it just was more methodical running by Penn State. And I, I think, honestly, you know, there was only three total scores in the second half in this of this game. But Penn State was just, it was never in doubt for them. And honestly, I think they are upper echelon. I, I, I have Penn State firmly in the number two spot right now in the Big Ten ahead of Ohio State. I, I just think that the talent on this team, I think they've they've got potentially six guys who might be going in the first round. Like, that's how good this team is. I I think Penn State is a real, real problem. And for Illinois, it just it was just too much. I mean, every every time you looked at the you know you looked at the scoreboard, it was like they're just inching further and further away. I thought for Penn State, this was just one of those those kind of games where it's like, yeah, we are just better, and we're going to show it in every single facet of the game. And they absolutely did that. You know, I see it a little bit differently. I I try to play as close attention to this game as I could. I, I I agree. Penn State was the better football team at the end of the day. You have real real quick. I'm so sorry. I know Drew Allard did not perform well in this game. His numbers don't look great at all. It just was more the culmination. It was the team as a whole is more so what I was talking about. But I I agree that there were aspects where Penn State did not look great, but they still won by as correct. And I, I want to get to that too. I'm just saying the story of this game was the five Illinois turnovers. Uh, they were coughing up the ball like nobody's business. It was it was just uh, Altmaier had a pretty you know good and consistent game last week on the road against Kansas, and he was responsible, I believe, for four interceptions alone. You cannot, especially with a team of Penn State's caliber at home, you cannot give them opportunities. And the unfortunate thing was Illinois limited Penn State's explosive plays. Yes, they leaked in a couple um, throughout, but they bottled up the run. They didn't let Drew Aller hurt them. uh, And they limited the pass game as well with uh, some of their talented wide receivers. Illinois had the makings of keeping this game incredibly close and if any at the very least covering this spread you cannot turn the ball over five times and if they cut that down to three or maybe even two I'm not saying Illinois would have won because again I'm very low on Illinois and I think (laughs) not it's like nothing can go 100% right for this team Um, if you cut down to two turnovers this is a completely different game I, I totally agree that that is an, an a fantastic point. And, and just really quick to further what you were saying, Luke Altmaier, 
he he threw 15 of 28 for four interceptions and zero touchdowns. Paddock came in and he went 10 of 16 for 129 yards and a touchdown. He was the more productive quarterback and played way, way less of this game. And yes, I understand you could say, you know, it, well, that's garbage time and blah, blah, blah. I think Paddock's your starter moving forward. I, I really do. I don't know if they've officially made that announcement yet, but I think Luke Altmeyer, with the way he looked in this game, I mean, he was throwing passes directly to Penn State defenders. And, and give credit to Penn State's defense. They were swarming in this game. They played really, really well, and that's why I'm so high on Penn State. I think they're very balanced on both sides of the ball. I think they resemble Michigan more than Ohio State does, and that's why I currently have them number two. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I, I just I just think that, man, oh, man, Luke Altmaier was in this game for far too long. I, I think we can both A thousand percent. It's, it's just a shame. I think this was the best that Illinois had played defensively up to this point, but when you're in a track meet with a team that is way more talented than you are, if your defense is on the field for an extended period of time, it's just going to collapse. We've seen that story time and time again, and we haven't been able to see a team overcome that. And it's specifically, Illinois has been hurt by this uh, as well, even a couple times this year. All right, moving on. We're going to head over to that Iowa game where their point total skyrocketed. Their points per game skyrocketed in this one. Absolutely laid it on Western Michigan. I mean, this was by far their best performance of the year so far. Um, Cade McNamara, actually, I believe he got hurt in this game. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what what happened to him, why he came out. I, I, I think at one point he came out of the game. Uh, yeah, that might have been two weeks ago. But anyways, uh, this was not the Cade McNamara show. He was not the reason that they had this great performance. Um, his struggles really continued in this game. Uh, he went 9 of 19 for 103 yards passing, two touchdowns, but two interceptions to go along with it, and he got sacked four times, holding the football way too long, relying on his offensive line, and honestly at times kind of looked lost out there. Their running game is really what did it for them in this game. I mean, you look at what LaShawn Williams was able to do. It just felt like every time he touched the ball, he was getting chunk plays. I mean, it felt like 15 yards per run when he was touching the football. He only touched the ball 12 times. He had 12 carries for 145 yards. Like, absolutely ridiculous what he was able to do. So the run blocking was definitely there. They used so many different guys to run the football in this game. Like, if you look at the list, the breakdown, it's crazy. I think they had something like seven or eight rushers, something like that. But dominant in the run game, they have got to get something figured out in the pass game because it feels like the wide receivers are Eric All and then I don't know who else on that Iowa football team. Really struggling to find any continuity, any camaraderie with his teammates is Cade McNamara because Eric All led the team in receiving in this game. He had one reception for 34 yards. That just cannot be the case. You're going to have to have a passing game going forward. Yes, they scored a lot of points. Offense is still a huge concern. You see, I mean, I, I will always be a Cade McNamara truther just because of 
him helping Michigan get out of the, the dark age, it seems. But the thing about Cade McNamara is that he was a very effective quarterback when you had the, as you mentioned, uh, the running game going well and consistently. And I don't think it's any coincidence that you see Cade McNamara having a, let's, let's face it, a mediocre performance uh, in the air. But you had, as a team, 254 rushing yards, obviously with LaShawn Williams leading the way. But the reason that Michigan was so good is because you eventually had to stack the box against the Michigan's run game. And then Cade McNamara was good enough to hurt you with the deep ball, and he wouldn't make mistakes. Obviously, the interceptions are a little bit uncharacteristic of him. Um, but I think this is the key, like you said. You get the rushing game going, that opens up opportunities in the pass game. And even Brian Ferentz can't screw that up. At least I don't think. My, my biggest concern with that, Corey, is they were running the football. They were running the football at will in this game. So you would think, and Cade McNamara is a play-action passer. You get him protection, you get him play action, you allow him to throw, you know, the 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 balls that are 10 to 20 yards down the field. That's his sweet spot right in there. And they had that ability in this game against a Western Kentucky te- or a Western Michigan team, excuse me, that's not very good. And he still could not throw the ball. I, I'm I am concerned for Iowa's ability to throw the ball once Big Ten play comes around. And, and until I'm proved otherwise, and he had in he had the best offensive line in the country when he was at Michigan. He does not have that at Iowa. That has been made very clear. So I, I'm I am concerned. And I'm not gonna say that, you know, they can't win the West or, you know, anything like that. I just think that they really have, do have to pick Have up. you seen him like just throw the ball? Like just recently, yeah, yeah. He just looks hurt all of the time when he throws the ball. He he looks like it's like he winces, like as he's throwing, like he's like going into like a oh ow, like that type of thing. It really does. It's kind of weird, and maybe he is hurt. I well, he's hurt. No information on that. By the way, didn't he have the thigh injury? Right. (laughs) So so it's just a matter of where else is he hurt. (laughs) Yeah, I, I guess that's this a good This is completely point. off the right. off the off the cuff. Can we get rid of the sacks counting as negative rushing yards in college football? That's the dumbest rule ever. Oh my word. Yeah. They count against your passing yards in no, the NFL. They correct? Don't. No way. I think in the NFL, I think they count against your what? pass yards. That's so Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, so I could silly. be wrong. I, I could be completely Because it's like Iowa would have had, yeah. I think, close to 300 yards rushing if they didn't have negative 33 rushing yards from Cade McNamara because he got absolutely plowed yeah. in the backfield because their line is so terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So moving on to a team that uh, did not look so terrible this weekend, Ohio State. Things started off pretty slow in the first half, but uh, Kyle McCord, this was his best performance by far so far. I was I was very impressed with what he was able to do. He was super efficient, didn't have to throw the ball a ton of times. He was 19 of 23, 318 yards passing with three touchdowns. Super efficient day. Get him in, get his throws, and, and get him out of there. I, I mean, and then they just ran the ball with 
everyone in this football game. Uh, I mean, Travion Henderson, it, it was just, it, it, I'm not going to list everybody who carried the ball for them because they just ran it at will. But uh, I mean, really the big story, Marvin Harrison Jr., five receptions, 126 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he, he had a 75-yard touchdown catch or something like that. I, I mean, it was just unbelievable. He had an absolutely incredible day. Um, uh, but I, my biggest takeaway in this was it looked like the Ohio State offense finally getting it together. And it took a little bit. The beginning of the game was a little shaky. But then once they got it going, it seemed like Ohio State finally was able to put it into that next gear against a vastly inferior opponent nonetheless played an absolutely stellar I don't game. I don't really want my bias to show here um because I mean the past three weeks we've been talking about how Ohio State doesn't look like the Ohio State of old and then it looks like maybe Michigan is taking strides you know ahead of them all of this stuff the as far as I'm concerned and I'm just being quite honest the roles flipped here Ohio State looked like the Ohio State of old as you have said um and just like they seemingly always do, they figure it out right when they need to figure it out. Yes, it was against Western Kentucky, but still, they dropped, what, 62 points in this game? Um, and it looks like you have Kyle McCord playing with some confidence, which was seemingly the last piece that you needed for an Ohio State team to do what they always do. I laughed when people were like, oh, and it, it, it was a lot of the Ohio State community when they were like, he's the number one quarterback. He's been named the starter now. That's all he needed. Now he's like going to take off. I was like, what does that do to make you a better quarterback? Like, I, I you know, I, I was kind of confused by that and didn't really buy into it. Shut my mouth real quick. He went out there and had an absolutely stellar performance in this game. So all the credit, I, I mean, Ohio State did what, if you're an Ohio State fan, you have wanted them to do all season. Take absolute control of a game and dominate. And they did that. Like I said, it did not happen right at the beginning of this game. But rolling into that second quarter, it was like, okay, it's our time now. And then it was just boom. It was just an absolute explosion after Yeah, that. unreal. Um, not much else to say about this game. You're Ohio State fan. You're feeling pretty happy. And I think maybe you have some newfound confidence going into the game in South Bend against Notre Dame. That's setting up for the premier matchup in the Big Ten Conference this week. And Notre Dame, just, you're going to get left behind. Just come to the Big Ten. We all know you want to. Okay? They're not going to. They're going to go to the and ACC. It will dissolve. And that's that. <laughs> all right. So, real quick, I, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to throw three games at you. Okay? Okay. We've never done this before. I'm going to throw three games at you. You tell me you're going to you're going to pick what what you're going to either say you go or you're going to just start talking about this game, okay? And I just want it to be quick. I just want like a minute or less on the game. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. First game, Minnesota North Carolina. I I mean, Minnesota you just did not show up for this football game. Early on, it was very apparent that, I mean, as soon as North Carolina goes up by two touchdowns, that game felt like it was over. It was just, 
there was no there was no situation where you were coming back from 14 down you you ended up kind of making a game of it early in the third quarter but then immediately just that went away in the fourth quarter because it, they just couldn't move the football i mean it was absolutely horrible Ethan uh Killa McManus Whoa, 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 Terrible whoa, whoa, in this whoa, game. Whoa. 11 of 29, 133 yards whoa, and an said, interception. Bad, you said his name correctly. Bad. I think that's a that's a big banter first. Oh, sorry. Didn't didn't realize I wasn't supposed to do that. And also you got absolutely cooked by Drake May, even though he threw two interceptions. Okay, next game. I'm ready. Are you ready? Washington, Michigan State. You have to take it. You can't you can't punt two in a row. You have to take it. <laughs> Uh, I love it when my my hater feelings are validated. Michigan State is a dog water football team. Washington comes in there and takes total advantage of a very unfortunate situation with the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, it was like it was like the Simpsons meme where it was like, "Stop, stop! He's already dead." Like that's that's what happened here. Michael Penix Jr., good grief. This man has been has had a vendetta against the Big Ten ever since he left here. I mean, he almost had, I think, his over in passing yards in the first half of this football game. That's how bad Washington was beating them down. Uh, his final line, he went for 473 yards and four touchdowns in the air. And I want to tell you something here, too, for – Michigan State, okay, 536 passing yards against Michigan State's defense against with 177 uh, rushing yards on the ground. Almost one-dimensional. They were beating you so bad one way you could not stop it. That is that is a obliteration at home. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. It was very, very bad. In your first game without your head coach, I thought you'd have a little more life to you. You didn't. And because of it, well, we'll get to that later. Um, so the last one is, are you ready? Yes. Purdue okay. Syracuse. Stop. Stop. Stop it. The P in Purdue stands for piss poor. This, oh, how'd you let me down? Boy, I don't even root for you, kind of, not really. I was thinking that Purdue was going to come out here with some revenge, you know, from last year's debacle. In the they, could, they can't run the football. It's it's they, so they can't bad. run the football. I'm sorry, I have to chime. I have to chime in. They, if you can't run the football, you're not going to win games. And Purdue cannot run the football. I, I mean, Card actually played decent. He went 32 of 46. That's a problem right there. The fact that you had to throw the ball 46 times. For 323 yards, a touchdown, an interception, doesn't matter. If you can't run the football, you're not going to win games. And guess what? As soon as you went down, Purdue, 14-0, I knew that game was over. They went down 14-0, game over. I mean, and Syracuse just put a hurting on them. Horrible, pathetic it display. Was, it by was Purdue the inverse of the Rutgers game. You had 50 yards on the, on the ground, and that just is not going to fly. It's especially not going to fly in the Big Ten. Any conference in the country, you might be able to get away with it, except the Big Ten. And I, I've been singing Hudson Carr's praises this whole time. 
man lost three fumbles in this game as well. So I, it's, it's really strange because he was a big reason why they were able to stay in this game. But he was also a big reason why they lost this game as well. And two losses of that caliber at home, Purdue, you got to do better. Just plain and simple. You have to do better. All right, real quick. I just want to go through a couple of these. Uh, Nebraska, where uh, they finally got a win. They put it on Northern Illinois a little bit. You made a comment before the show, so I'm not going to steal your thunder on this one. Um, you wanted to talk about somebody specific in this game, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Nebraska, you maybe you just found your quarterback. Heinrich Harburg, we'll just go by H squared, finally brought some stability to this offense. Pretty efficient in the air, 158 yards for 14 of 24 passes for two touchdowns. But then he was also your leading rusher. So 21 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown on the ground as well. So you got the the dual threat capabilities without the turnovers. And truly, I think that's all that you needed. You just needed your offense to keep you in the game. And again, this is against Northern Illinois. I'm not saying that this was a barn burner. But what I am saying to you is that you just needed to protect the football and you needed to get just about the same production. And you got that from your man H squared. Now right the ship, play better yeah. football, and then head into the Big Ten schedule with some confidence. And listen, if he can be a dual threat like he was in that game, he's going to give Big Ten teams some fits. Especially in the West. The West, we know, not heavy hitters. You know, not not this world-beating division. So I honestly think that that was a, a pretty big move for them. Uh, Matt Rule had to do something because Sims was just abysmal. It, he just was not getting it done. So, um, and, and I mean, the biggest thing for me, the biggest standout to me, honestly, on the stat line, you look at it, he didn't throw a pick and Sims can't help himself, but throw the ball to the other team. So right there, that's enough for me. And the 21 rushes for 98 yards and a touchdown, I, I mean, that's just the icing on the cake. So really, really nice performance uh, by Nebraska there. Obviously, competition's going to get a little more stiff. Uh, Northwestern, they got beat 38-14 by Duke. I think that was, I mean, a lot. We saw that coming. It was on the road. It was at Duke. Bad. Northwestern coming off an emotional Northwestern win. Northwestern bad. Yeah, they're, they're bad. So, um, oh man, I, I, I just, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the Louisville I, Indiana I'm, game for just one second, because Louisville came out with a 21 to, to zero lead in the state of Indiana, in Indianapolis, kind of an electric factory in there when, when Louisville was going off, Indiana comes back a little bit. And I don't know if you've seen anything on social media whatsoever. Okay. But do you remember from the COVID year when Penix was still the quarterback at Indiana. And do you remember how they beat Penn state at the beginning of the year, Ethan? Do you remember that? Um, no, the, the multiple overtime loss was to Illinois for Penn state, not right. Indiana. Uh, I don't, re- I do not recall. No. Okay. So Michael Penix kind of has like a bootleg rush to the corner of the end zone or to the pylon of the end zone and extends and just barely touches the pylon to get the upset victory and then have 
their magical season, okay? This almost happened again. Literally the same exact play mirrored a little bit, but it came up just short at the end of the game. It was it was flashbacks. Is like you were an Indiana fan thinking, could this happen again? And, of course, because you're Indiana, it does not. Enter eternal misery once more. You had that one season. Now Michael Penix is wearing purple, and you are still bad. <laughs> and, and Michael Penix is going to be a first-round draft pick. The end. So, <laughs> moving on to a game where the final score was 35-14, to 14, and you still are really upset about it. It's kind of kind of similar to the way Michigan beat Bowling Green. It's like, ugh. You know, you just feel disgusting. But if you're Wisconsin, oh my goodness gracious. Like the uh, and we've been talking about it and Alex was on this from week 1 from the word go. Like Braylon Allen didn't even get the most carries on the team. Dude touches the ball 12 times and has 94 yards and two touchdowns. He's averaging eight yards per carry in this game, and he only touches the ball 12 times. Uh, like, I, I mean, Tanner Mordecai, he was okay. He was fine, 19-30 for 236. But, I mean, the underusage of Braylon Allen is mind-boggling to me. I, I, I know they're supposed to be going to, like, this air raid offense, but you have an elite running back, and you don't even give him the most carries. Um, Corey, explain. You, you want me to explain that? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought you were the aficionado in. Oh, yeah. I mean, sense. I am, but that 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 makes so little sense. It doesn't even blip on my radar. The guy is. Look at him. Literally, look at him. Like that should be enough for you to be like, oh, we need to get this guy the ball. Luke Fickle, you can't see that? He looks like, he honestly, he looks like Saquon Barkley. Remember, like, how Saquon Barkley looked in college where it was just like, that's a guy that I need touching the ball every play. Now, here's a guy, I'm thinking of the Chris Collinsworth, all of that stuff, but I, it's, it's mind-numbing to me that this guy looks like he is a man amongst boys. I, I want to compare it to um, what's his face? Jalen Duran. This is a different sport, but he played basketball at Memphis. Watching Memphis play post, like close to the tourney time, that guy was an absolute freak show, and it looked like he was playing a different sport than every team that he was playing against. Braylon Allen, when he gets the ball against these against these teams, different sport. I don't know how you can see that. And then after the conversation that he has with Luke Fickle, that wasn't confrontational. At all, according to these reporters, of these Wisconsin beat writers and these reporters, they were like, no, this is just a leader saying, hey, I want the ball. Like, give me the ball so I can help this team win. And you still go out and give him only 12 carries? What on earth is wrong? Now you're going to have to have another meeting like, hey, you big dumb idiot. Give me the ball because we are not going to win if you don't. Here's the story here. Wisconsin should have lost this game. And the only reason that they didn't lose this game, Georgia Southern, 
outside of having the worst jerseys in Division I football, six turnovers. Yeah, they couldn't help themselves but give the ball away when they touched it. Six. That's almost impressive. That's almost harder to do to not turn the ball over than turn it over six times. That's the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. And and, and listen, I'm, I'm not even going to try to explain it. Big Ten schedule is about to start. Wisconsin, I mean, if you don't start using Braylon Allen to his full potential, we've got we've got major, major Listen, issues going on. They're not on. gonna win the West. Um, I'm calling that right now. It's not happening. No. I just don't know. I'm locked I don't know in. who's better. I don't know who's better. Look at Kate Matt. I'm not even saying numbers Iowa's Iowa. gonna win. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't just go. I just can't say, well, Iowa's winning it now. Well, those are the two best teams, Corey. So I don't know what maybe to tell you. Maybe Minnesota plays those are better the two best against teams in the West. Big Ten. I don't know. I have no clue. It's not going to be Wisconsin. I don't. I don't know either. It's it's what I feared the most at the beginning of this season that the West was just going to be a jumbled up mess, just like it was last year. And well, somebody has Purdue, to win it. Come so on down. There you go. And, and honestly, honestly, I, I I'm uh, whatever. Anyways, all right. That does it for our week three recap. Corey, your biggest takeaway from week three, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. What was your biggest takeaway? Go. From the full body of work, and I saw some graphics on it, and from just the caliber of opponents that they've played in this first portion of the season, I don't think Penn State is the second best team in the Big Ten right now. I think they might be the first. It might be the number one team in the Big Ten. They might have just overtaken Michigan as the team to beat because this is where they're going to get the benefit of having a more difficult non-conference schedule. And then an early Big Ten slate, they've been impressive. They haven't slipped up. And even when they have slipped up, they've taken advantage of the mistakes that other teams have made. They've taken care of the ball, and they've looked really good doing it. If I'm Michigan, mm, I'm really worried going into that game in Happy Valley, regardless if it's a whiteout or not. The, the fact that it's on the road, obviously, is is going to be challenging for sure. I'm not quite ready to put them number one yet. I still have Michigan in that slot. But I do think that you have, at my biggest takeaway of the week, was the way Kyle McCord and the Ohio State Buckeyes played. They had a game where, they finally were able to put it all together, looked absolutely dominant. Marvin Harrison Jr., number one wide receiver in the country, and there ain't no question in that. He is a man amongst children when he steps out onto the football field. Huge, huge day for Ohio State. I think they had the best game of the weekend. Um, I would put that slightly above what Penn State was able to do. Obviously, that was in conference, uh, you know, conference play, playing against Illinois. But I'm 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 really impressed with what Ohio State was able to do. Okay, that is the end of our week three recap. We appreciate you guys listening. We cannot wait to diagnose and to dive in to week number four. The Big Ten schedule is going to be underway this coming Saturday, and we are hyped for it. We cannot wait, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned for more. Obviously, our picks episode coming up later this week. 
Thank you. We will see you soon.